Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. And just like that, we're back. Another edition of the Late Kick Extra podcast. It is Wednesday. It is February 9th, the year of our Lord, 2022. Shamefully, some of my colleagues out there referring to this time of year as the off-season. We do not. Our numbers are incredible right now. I don't want to brag, but I will because you are to blame a lot more than any of us around here. 200 to 300% year-over-year increases. Doesn't even matter what you're talking about. Everything we're doing right now is phenomenally better performing even than it was just this time one year ago. Thank you guys so much for that. We announced on Twitter, I'll I'll keep telling you because I'm very proud of it over the next week or two, we have signed a brand new extension with Academy Sports and Outdoors. They will be the exclusive partner of Late Kick from now all the way through spring and probably well beyond. I mean, it's just the way advertising works, but uh, you guys made that possible. They specifically, they wanted me to tell you this, specifically when we met with them and we were finalizing that deal, they said to let you know those receipts and the screenshots and the tags and the tweets and Instagram posts, all that stuff, they see it, they thank you, and I just kind of sit back and prop my foot up on my knee and say, see, I told you, told you they'd come through. So, Pate State now, Pate State forever. Appreciate you guys. We have got a loaded mailbag this morning, and in case you haven't noticed, we're putting some of this video on the YouTube channel, even as we clicked record this morning, we're kind of going back and forth as a staff about how much of the video we want to put out. And so ultimately, that's going to fall on you. Let me know. I mean, do you want to watch the entire thing? Do you just want select clips? Some of these answers are better than others. Some of it I may not want out there, but if you want it out there, we'll put it out there. Appreciate you guys. The five-star reviews. Spotify, you can do that on Spotify now. And Apple Podcasts, you've always been able to do it. People notice. That's all I'm going to tell you. In our meetings every week at CBS and 24-7, people notice. So those five-star reviews, we really appreciate. Drop a question there and it could make its way onto the show. Let's dive right in this morning. The way this works, if you're unfamiliar, we do Late Kick Live. Right now it's Sunday and Thursday night, but here on Wednesday morning, we do Strictly Mailbag. And a lot of this is podcast only. Some of it makes it in video form to the YouTube channel, but this is totally you driving the show. I put out the tweet every Monday night, if Jesse's lucky, or Tuesday if I get my way, and I ask for the questions and you give them to me, and we get as many out of the way as we can here. And with that, Let's start it up this morning. So the first question that we had, I believe, was from Nick. I'm just waiting. Yes, it's from Nick. Here we go. Nick said, hey, love the show. Perhaps this question is asked a lot, but how would you rate the college football playoff era so far? There are multiple ways to approach the question as my standpoint is at his, it is that it has produced the proper and correct championship here, but the quality of games is concerning. And so Nick's asking a good question here. How do we really rate the college football playoff? 
What do you use? Do you just care about the right champion being crowned? Do you care about an entertaining product? Or are you like me? And you judge the quality or the success of the college football playoff era as it relates to the sport overall. Because to me, if we rate the college football playoff based on the impact it's had on the sport overall, I actually think it's a failure. And I thought it was going to be a success. I remember when they announced that we were going to four, I was not of the opinion that that was too far. I am of the opinion expanding beyond four is too far, but I thought four would be fine. I thought that it was going to make the end of the season very exciting. I did not foresee some of the issues uh, that we have had as a result of the playoff and conjoined with the playoff, the way the playoff's been covered. So that sounds like word salad. Here's what I mean. A lot of you guys who watch the show and you listen to the show, you know what I mean, but I want to take it a step further here. So with the college football playoff, we had a lot of things that happened. But I don't think anything about the college football playoff has enhanced college football. By that, to be clear, I mean, watching the sport today, I don't think any of it is better than it was in 2011, 12, 13. In other words, the years right before the college football playoff. I don't think that. However, I do think there are aspects of our sport, in the plural, that have been devalued. And I don't think we can argue about this, by the way, whether you look at the regular season Uh, And I don't feel this way, but a lot of people feel this way. So by default, this means it has been devalued. And in the minds of a lot of people, some games in the regular season now don't mean as much because there are not college football playoff ramifications tied to them. Now, again, if you watch this show, if you think like we do, that's not the way that we necessarily feel, but that's the way enough people feel to where we can conclude there has been a net devaluation or devaluing of some of the regular season. Bowl games. This is unmistakable. They have been devalued. Not in our mind. I watch every one of them like I always have. But you'd be kidding yourself to say that bowl games today feel as consequential as they did in 2007 or or 1994. Uh, Some people would say that's just because there are too many of them. I don't believe that. If you want to scrap 10 bowl games and do an experiment, be my guest. I don't think it's because we have too many of them. I think it's because what the playoff has done to the overall conversation around college football is it has had a net devaluing effect on bowl season and also players opting out now to me has proven that the college football playoff era has led to somewhat of a devaluing of the spirit of competition because it used to be nobody cared that they weren't in the BCS championship game if they were playing in the citrus bowl if they were playing in the outback bowl or the gator bowl we're just talking about every bowl game in florida now and it was december 28th or new year's day They were jacked for it. It was another game to them. And so the spirit of competition was just equal. It was like icing spread out across the college football cake. And if anything, that that prize at the end of the year, that bowl game, that meant a little bit more. But in the college football playoff era, we've seen that slowly erode. And so I look at those several compartments that I have seen a devaluing of overall college football in the college football playoff era. And I look at it and I say, okay, I think we've gotten the right playoff teams in. I've never disagreed with the four teams they've put in. So join me for a second. Just be devil's advocate, even if you don't feel that way. Let's just say for argument's sake, you think every playoff has had the right four teams in. And let's even say you think we've crowned the the quote-unquote right champion every year. Even if you feel that way, how how do you push against the other things I just said? How do you look and say, and I don't care what it's done to the regular season, and I don't care what it's done to bowl games, and I don't care what it's done to the spirit of competition. Because if you feel like I do, and I know a lot of you do, if you feel like we do, the regular season's what makes the sport great. You know, the spirit of competition is what makes the sport great. And the fact that we have this entity, this man-made thing 
called the college football playoff that's come along and chipped away at some or a lot of the veneer of those aspects of the sport, that can't be a good thing. So, Nick, I think it's been a failure. And now it's what hurts my heart so much to see that we talk about expanding, expanding, expanding. If I had my way, I'd just rather contract. If you gave me an option, we can go back to the old model or we can, I'm not going to say progress, we can move towards a newer model. I just take the old way. I don't always feel that way about things, but I'd actually like to hit the rewind button on that. Good question, though. Moving on this morning slash afternoon, whenever it is you may be listening. Uh, who is this? This is Bayesius. How would we pronounce this name? Bayesius, I guess. Uh, Big B. Big B wants to know, how much do you attribute the Renaissance season to the fifth year senior rule? Good question here. And do you think there's any chance of it being permanent? I think it would be great for the sport and for the student athletes. What happened this past year is very unique. And the reason why even in the summertime, before the season started, we started to coin the term Renaissance season is because I think this was pretty easy to see coming. You had so many teams out there that were going to have a larger chunk of their roster coming back because of the super senior rule, because kids who got an extra year because of COVID and they were taking advantage of it, that was going to lead to more veteran-laden rosters. And a lot of times that was going to be enjoyed by teams that otherwise would not be in the playoff hunt and otherwise couldn't push for one of the top spots. And so we saw that. We saw it a lot this year. But there's another aspect that we kind of saw come in in the preseason, but you really saw it start being magnified in the regular season. <clears throat> and I'll tell you what that was. That was quarterback. We didn't have a plethora of elite quarterback play in college football this year. And if you think about it, and you think about the reason why Oklahoma didn't make the playoff, Clemson didn't make the playoff, Ohio State didn't make the playoff, it's because they didn't get wire-to-wire high-caliber quarterback play. And they also faced some teams that had very veteran leadership and veteran-laden rosters. And so what we're asking here is, can we duplicate that? Like, is, is that going to be the case for several years to come? I don't think we're going to have, obviously, the super senior um, factor in play for several years to come. You could theoretically have years where they're high-level quarterbacks and then other years where there aren't. To me, if you want some, some evening out and you want some unpredictability, short of us just changing the recruiting dynamic entirely in college football, here's what has to happen. The transfer portal has to play a key part of this both ways. So one way it could happen is, let's say Arkansas. Arkansas is a program that's really solid, but you don't expect them to contend for a playoff spot. Let's say there is a Caleb Williams type transfer portal exodus this next year, and there's someone in that portal that's the caliber of him, and he goes to Arkansas. You know, in other words, Arkansas is getting a high-caliber quarterback that they probably wouldn't have gotten out of the traditional high school recruiting model. That could be one way, uh, because a program like Arkansas, if you give them a star quarterback, they're good enough to make the playoff. They will be, moving forward, good enough to make the playoff. That's one way that could happen. But the other way it could happen, and what I want you to start paying close attention to, is quarterback depth. Look at the depth charts on these teams. It's not that Alabama will lack Bryce Young-type quarterbacks. It's not going to be that. It's not that Ohio State will lack C.J. Stroud-type quarterbacks. They will have those. They absolutely will. Look behind them. I think less and less you will see stacks of elite quarterbacks. I don't think you'll see a lot of elite quarterback depth. So I think what you're looking at, and this, this is kind of a shame because we're talking about injury, but you're going to look at teams that are so disproportionately vulnerable to injury derailing their season. 
What would happen with Alabama right now? Or, or last year? What would have happened with Alabama last year if Bryce Young got hurt? You didn't even know the name Paul Tyson. And even if you did, he just transferred to Arizona State, I think. You don't even know who their backups are. Bama fans know who Jalen Milrow is. You don't know who Jalen Milrow is. And likewise, we saw Quinn Ewers go to Columbus, Ohio, immediately transfers out. And Ohio State was thought to have the best quarterback depth of any program this past year. And Kyle McCord's there and Jack Miller's there, but that is going to be the rarity, the extreme rarity. Quarterbacks aren't going to sit and wait. It's just the way it is. They're not going to sit and wait. It's a totally different. They might as well be in play in a different sport. It's a different position, but it might as well be a different sport because the way that the guys at that position think are totally unique unto the defensive tackles of the world or the safeties of the world. So when you talk about a year where you may see a bunch of strange programs at the table late in the year, what's probably going to have happened is there may have been a couple of big time quarterback injuries. And then those programs that are otherwise superpowers, they couldn't fill that quarterback void because all their other good ones had transferred and they're left with whatever they're left with. Moving along, who do we have third? I think we had Jenny third. Jenny said, given the announcement about the partnership with Academy, what are the plans to expand and continue growing and developing that late kick platform? I know you've often said you're already doing what you dreamed of and you love. Uh, what is the next level of that dream? she concludes, aside from being the college football commissioner. So good question there, properly structured. Aside from us landing that college football commissionership, what else do we want to do with the brand? It was a great privilege to announce that Academy sponsorship earlier this week. And please don't overlook that. I know it just sounds like any other show landing a partnership. It's not. What we have with Academy is very unique. As I've told you guys, as much as I can tell you, we don't go through some ad agency that goes through another middleman type organization and we don't have direct contact with Academy. That's not the way our partnership was born. Our Academy reached out to me directly in my personal email inbox once upon a time. And it was because of the traction you were giving the show. And now the reason we're able to re-up and then extend a deal that we have with them is because of the interaction that you've had with them. That's not the way it normally happens. The way it normally happens is there is really no solid firm connection between an audience and the advertisers and partners on the show they watch. It's just, it's just lifeless data and numbers on a sheet. That's not the way that our show works. And so you're the reason for that. No, I say it a lot, but I'm serious. You're the reason for that. So then beyond that, what do we want to do? I was talking to producer Jesse. I talked to director Colin all the time about this. And we don't do our show like most shows. I think a lot of you have come to realize that. It's probably what attracts a lot of you to it. I don't, I don't want you to look around out there and see two or three other products that look like ours and feel like ours. Now, we have failed you, actually, if that's the case. The way we do it is we do not map out the future of the show. We, we do not have a flow chart written in bright red Sharpie that shows in March of 2022, here's where we want to be. And then in December of 2022, here's what we want to be in. And here are all the new projects that we want to launch. That's not the way we do it. We may have some broad strokes ideas, but what we do is we define the values and principles of the organization and we adhere to them. And it's entertainment, it's engagement, it's enlighten, and it's inform. Those are the four pillars that we really stack every show around. And creativity is a fifth pillar. We want to hit that in everything we do. If we don't hit that, it doesn't make it on air. And so what we believe in is if we just keep doing that, if we adhere to that process, all kinds of opportunities just come. They just come. We, we don't necessarily have to make them happen. They come because we adhere to those principles and values. That may sound boring, but that's the blueprint that's gotten us where we are so far. 
And that's what we're going to stick to. And you also, what I have found is you, you don't have to try and actively pursue all these opportunities. Like if we wanted to do another kind of show, if I wanted to branch out entirely from this and there was some other passion I had and, and I wanted to do it on a different scale, a different platform, I don't have to pursue it. So many influential people listen to the show and watch the show. If I just float when I'm floating out there right now, they'll come. I leave my email open for a reason. JoshPate706 at gmail.com, by the way. I leave it open for a reason. We get offers all the time. Have to turn some of them down for contractual reasons, but I get offers all the time. And so we're in a very, very blessed position that we can pick and choose our projects. But to answer the question there, Jenny, I can't tell you where we're taking it. I couldn't have told you this time last year we'd have a 300% bigger audience a year over year now than we did last year. I thought we were doing really good things last year. So I don't know where it's going. I, I just know we're going in the right direction. And so we'll continue to push it there. But, you know, I have some of you email me sometimes, you know, trying to be proactive and you say, please don't sell out, you know, but please don't change the show. Well, that's not happening. That's not, I can't promise you there won't be more products down the road. Certainly you want to grow, but that won't happen. It won't happen because I will not sign a piece of paper that takes the creativity control out of my hands and the executive production control out of my hands. So everything that we do that has my name on it will be authentically ours. Because if it's mine, it's ours. If my name's on it, you can rest assured you're playing a very large part in it. So Jenny, I know that doesn't answer the question directly. The answer is there is no limit. There is no limit to the potential of what we can grow and how many things we can grow. But we always want to stay true and authentic to what got us here. And unlike some other products out there that you may have been turned off by, I can assure you we will not lose sight of that. Mark is next up. Mark, actually, yeah. So Mark asks, is it national championship or bust for Jimbo Fisher? Now, Mark didn't say this year. Some people are going to say this year, but Mark did not say this year. So let's just say in general. A lot of folks are going to ask this. Is it national championship or bust for Jimbo Fisher? This question has never made sense to me, even though I know Mark's asking it because a lot of people ask it. Here's what I retort with. What does bust mean? Let's say Jimbo Fisher goes into a year and let's say you say it's championship or bust and he goes 10 and 2 and then they win a New Year's Six Bowl game and they finish 11 and 2. They just had one of the best seasons in A&M history, but they didn't win a title. So you say it's a bust. I just want to know what happens when you bust. Like what happens? Because to me, if you don't lose your job, you didn't bust. And he certainly wouldn't lose his job. He'd probably get another raise and an extension. What does bust mean? Now, if you're trying to set the expectation level and you're telling me there is a program out there or, or there's a team in a given year where if they do not win a title, you think it's been a disappointment. Okay, I, I probably won't sign off on that with you. I think Georgia this past year was the closest I would ever come to agreeing that a team and a, and a coach and a program was literally in a championship or disappoint, championship or fail situation. And for the record, I have it on good authority, Georgia went ahead and won a title, so they got rid of all the alternative viewpoints. If Texas A&M gets there, and to be clear, I don't think they're there yet. I don't think they're in a situation where people are saying, if you don't win a title this year, you're a failure. They're probably rapidly approaching that because of this last recruiting class, but if and when they get there, I probably won't be participating in that. Here's what they have to do first. Win the SEC West. Like, if they win the SEC West, they've done something they've never done before. Then if they win the SEC championship, they've done something else they've never done before. And then if they win a playoff game, they've done something they have never done before. There's so many rungs on the ladder 
that are below that championship or bust rung, as we like to sometimes call it. I'm not even close to that. Now, here's what could happen. What could happen is you could do like LSU and pretty much knock all of them out in one year. Yeah, that could happen. If they get a great team out there, if Connor Wegman ends up being the quarterback that Jimbo Fisher and some of us think he's capable of being, and, and all this recruiting talent coalesces into an unstoppable machine, sure, they could do all that. For, for all we know, they could do it this year or 2023, or maybe they go back to back or whatever the case may be. I don't think I'll ever be in a situation where I say, is championship or bust. There's so much variability in this sport. Even if you get all the right pieces in place and you got the right coaching staff and you press the right buttons, even after you do all that, it's so hard to win a title. I mean, Nick Saban in Alabama, they've lost more. They've failed to win a title more than they've won one. And that sounds ridiculous to even phrase it like that because uh, he's the greatest of all time. That's the greatest run in the history of this sport. Even they don't win it every year. You know, even they go a couple of years sometimes without winning one. And they're doing everything right or as close to it as you can get. So this is hard to do. So, you know, you ask Kirby Smart this year. Kirby Smart won a title. Think about how much had to go right. They didn't even finish the season with the guy they started the year with at quarterback. All kinds of stuff could go wrong. So, no, I don't think it's ever championship or bust from my perspective, Mark. But again, I will admit there could be a large enough crowd that starts to think the opposite way that for all intents and purposes, it could be that for Jimbo Fisher. Let's move it on, shall we? I like the clip we're on. We're getting a lot of questions out of the way here. So, L.A. Longhorn was up next, and this was a question that really got me thinking. I almost didn't want to run with it in the podcast because I almost thought about making this its own show, or segment at least, in a main show. I'll read it for you, then we can all react together. So, L.A. Longhorn asked, do you think we could ever have a relegation or promotion-style conference model for Power 5 and G5? He said he's been watching Ted Lasso. This is obviously the kind of model that exists in international soccer. It is one of the areas where I think they nail it, just absolutely nail it. And some of you, are on, you may hear this a lot, but you're not familiar with what it means. All it means is aside from playing for a championship and aside from coaches coaching to have certain escalators hit in their contract, there's something else on the line. And what's on the line is if you're bad enough, you get demoted. Your team, or in this case, I guess your program, you would get demoted down to a lesser level of competition, a lower caliber level of competition. Conversely, if you're so good in that lower level, you get promoted up to the big leagues. So here's what I think that would look like. And of course, this is all but impossible in college football, unfortunately. But in, a, in an alternative fantasy world, it would be the, one of the best things to happen to this sport. If you could give me this and combine it with the old BCS model, we would have bettered college football. So I want you to think about this for a second. To me, the, the, the best or closest and most realistic way to do this would be have each Power Five conference combine or, or maybe join forces in a partnership with a G5 conference. So let's just say the SEC and the AAC partner. So that's the conference Bama and Georgia and everyone are in, partnering with the conference, at least at the moment, that your UCFs and Cincinnati's are in. They're about to move to the Big 12. But just humor me here. So let's use the Sun Belt, okay? Because the Sun Belt's not changing up all that much. So let's say the SEC and the Sun Belt were combined. And let's say that we understood if you finish last place in the SEC for the 2023 season, you are dropping to the Sun Belt. 
And if you finish first place in the Sun Belt, you are jumping up to the SEC. And so Vanderbilt may go down and Louisiana Lafayette may go up. It makes the end of the season so multidimensional. Because if you're Louisiana and you're playing and you're undefeated towards the end of the year, you're already tuned in. You already care. But think about what this would do on games that otherwise you're being told are meaningless. Think about how much, how much drama and intrigue and ramification there would all of a sudden be in Tennessee versus Vanderbilt late in the year. Imagine being Tennessee, and let's say you're, I don't know, seven and four, seven and five towards the end of the year. And so it's, it's kind of been a disappointing season for you, but you know you got Vandy at the end of the year, and Vandy is sitting there, and they got two wins, and they're on the precipice of finishing last in the SEC, and they know if they lose to you, they're gone. They're out of the SEC. Imagine what that game would feel like. All of a sudden, you got a two-win Vanderbilt team, and it's must-see. At least the second half of the game is must-see because you've got an actual spot in the conference on the line. And then conversely, you may be a Kentucky fan who couldn't care less. You couldn't find Lafayette or Lafayette. Not Lafayette. Lafayette, Indiana, or, uh, Louisiana on the map. We have a Lafayette in Alabama, so I grew up pronouncing it Lafayette. You can't find Lafayette, Louisiana on a map, but you know that team could be coming into my conference. I got to watch this game. That would be very fun. If I could take those two concepts, if I could combine promotion and relegation, and I could also get the BCS back, I would have greatly enhanced the regular season. If I could go back to where people did not tie every bit of meaning on a regular season game to whether it was impacting the playoff picture or not, and then I could also have promotion and relegation consequences riding on some of those regular season games, that would be great. I would love that for so many reasons. We'll never get it. Um, normally, the things that would be best for the sport, you seldom get. Uh, th just think about how many people, from a practicality standpoint, would have to come to the table and agree to that. And there would be so many people that, that would have no interest in agreeing to it. They would have no financial investment. And they, would, they would have no motivation. They'd have to agree to it. But Man, that would be so, so fun. All right, there are several more questions here, uh, and I'm going to get to them in a matter of moments. But you know what we got to do first? We got to talk to you about this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. So not the most seamless of ad tosses there. Not my best work. I think we've done a lot better work in the recent past. Recent past, I've been on a roll. I really wasn't myself there. Had a lot going on. All right, let's roll on this morning. I appreciate you being tuned in and listening wherever you are. Brian continues with this. If you could spend a day at any school in the country and get all access to that program, which program are you picking? 
Naturally, I went like three different directions, but there is one that stands out above the rest. I would pick the Clemson Tigers. I would want to go and spend a day shadowing Dabo Swinney and the Clemson Tigers. And I'll tell you why. For a guy that's been on the biggest stage for quite a while, I think Dabo Swinney is still misunderstood nationally. And I really think that there's a lot of him that is, you know, a lot of what drives that program and fuels that program that's misunderstood. And so I'd want to be around it. I'd love, if you ask me which guest I would love to have on Late Kick, Dabo Swinney's right at the top of the list. Because I don't think a lot of people look at the Clemson program and look at Dabo Swinney and actually know what it's about and what he's about. Now, everyone around Clemson would tell you that. I'm telling you that for different reasons, maybe, than even you Clemson fans. We, we both have our, our reasons. We both have the meaning behind what we're saying. To me, I think there's, here's the way he struck me. The way Dabo has always struck me is there, there's a message that he's trying to get out, and there's something he's trying to convey. But he is so jaded, rightfully so, towards the national media apparatus, and he, he feels confrontational sometimes and adversarial sometimes with them, again, for good reason. And so eventually, it got to where he kind of put a veil up and he's not letting you through it. And I would love to go through it. That's why I'd love to have him on the show. Open invitation anytime he wants it. But I would love to be able to see that. And I would love to hang out with him and be around that Clemson program. And there's no camera, like there's no mic, and you just get to observe but you get open access to him. You get just open, honest dialogue. I think it would be eye-opening. I also think the way they go about it at Clemson is indeed different, and I would just love to observe that entire process operationally. I, I would love to be around that. They got good facilities up there. I'm sure they eat great. So there are a lot of different things about the Clemson program that I would love to have access to. But I also had two other ones, so I kind of broke the rules here. I would also love to check out Arkansas. For some of the same reasons. Now, I don't think Pittman is misunderstood. I just don't think he is totally understood. I think there's a lot of mystery still for some folks out there. You know, if you're in Richmond, Virginia, and you're a, a Virginia fan, or you're a Virginia Tech fan, or maybe you're, you know, just kind of a general follower of the sport, but you only watch the major, major programs, you've heard Arkansas. You know of Arkansas. You know the mascot. You know they made a little noise this past year, but maybe you don't know what's making that program tick. I got a good feeling, I know, but I'd love to be around it. I'd love to be around Sam Pittman. How many guys that are head coaches in the sport would you just rather hang out with for a day above Sam Pittman? That's the kind of guy who feels like, you know, he knows his way around a cracker barrel every bit as much as he knows his way around a locker room. He's the kind of guy that you really could bump into at Home Depot. Oh, look, that's Sam Pittman in the lumber section. It smells good here and that feels good. Look, there's my friend, Sam Pittman. I'd love to see myself around Arkansas for a day. And then because I'd love to see a program being built, I'd love to go to USC. I'd love to be around Lincoln Riley. Now, this is for entirely different reasons. All these guys are welcome on the show, of course. But I would love to be around Lincoln Riley because I would love to watch a coach and his staff as they first interact with their new program. So they're seeing what the old staff left behind. And I would love to get their raw, immediate reaction. I'd love to know what they think about the infrastructure. I'd love to know what they think about the administration, the booster culture, uh, the strength and conditioning program, the facilities, the roster, most of all. I would love to be around them and watch them as they assess the different parts of their program and they, 
they give credit here and they just trash this there. I'd love to witness that. I could do it with Brian Kelly at LSU right now. I could do it with Venables at Oklahoma. I doubt Brent Venables has a whole lot of complaining to do at Oklahoma, but stands to reason. I'd love to have access. Really, any of these new coaches, it could be my answer there to the third part. But you give me access to Clemson or Arkansas or USC, I'd be happy. I'd go any direction there. Next up is a question that probably we get asked. I would say we get asked this question as frequently as any single question we ever get. So Gray is up next. He said, what's your favorite college football stadium you've been to? I'm talking city, atmosphere, setup, fans, everything in totality. I didn't have to think very long about this. It is LSU when Alabama's in town. It's always a night game. And so that's my answer. If you, if you can ever make it to Baton Rouge, Louisiana, Tiger Stadium, Death Valley, Saturday night, Nick Saban and Alabama are in town. There is absolutely nothing like it in college football. The sound is something you would have to experience to believe. And I'm not talking about the sound when someone makes a big play. I'm talking about the deafening, sustained, guttural roar on a random third and three midway through the second quarter. It's incredible. When you leave that place, I used to go to these LSU games and drive all the way back to Columbus, Georgia. I'd be to Mobile or sometimes Montgomery before your hearing felt right again. Because I didn't wear earplugs. I wanted to experience it. And it's like being around several jet engines, just all going at the same time. There's nothing like it. I was talking to one of the LSU staffers on this new coaching staff the other day, and they haven't experienced that. And I'm really excited for that staff down there in general, but man, specifically, you get a little wide-eyed. I mean, I've seen some people in the media who call themselves veterans and call themselves having covered all the big events, but I've seen them go into Tiger Stadium for the first time, and I think it's the same way for players. And I think it may even be the same way for coaches. You get a little wide-eyed because you can't believe that that exists. Like you can't believe something that heightens your senses to that degree can exist. Everything about it's perfect. Now, if you're a road team, it's a nightmare. It's also, it's also the most truly hostile place, I think, in college football. It's not that you know you're about to get assaulted if you go in there. But you're not sure you're not either. You feel very uncomfortable. It's a very uneasy feeling. I've told the story before. The first time I ever went down there was, I think, an Alabama game. It was like 2016 or 17, some year like that. And I remember it's Saban in Alabama, of course. They're going in there. I'm there in an orange shirt. That was the color. That was our station polo at the time. So I'm just there in neutral colors. Uh, but I remember walking through from the media parking lot, getting into the stadium. And I had someone with me as well that also worked at the station. I didn't feel comfortable for the safety of both of us wearing a color other than purple and gold until we got in the actual building, in the facility. Now I feel at home down there. I've been there so much. But I was thinking to myself, I can't imagine wearing crimson down here. Like I can't imagine what the Bama folks feel like. It is a very uncomfortable, rabid, it's just a ferocious atmosphere. And I've been to them all. And there are some other places that are very loud. And there may be some other places even that compare at a sustained decibel level. Uh, but there is no place that compares just from an overall atmosphere to what it's like down there. And I'm talking specifically Saturday night, Alabama in town, Death Valley, LSU. That's as good as it gets in college football. And if it's as good as it gets in college football, I think it's probably as good as it gets in sports. Moving on. Good question there. I, mean, I could talk about that all day. Uh, let's go with Big Footprints. Big Footprints said, 
What is a question we never seem to ask, but you're begging to answer? Probably the best question by default, because he is, he is seeding the question to me. I think it's a psychological trick, and it's going to work. Here's what I would do. It may not always work, but what I would do is I would ask for behind-the-scenes stories. That's all I'd ever ask for, because you can go get anyone's opinion on what they think about the playoff. You can get anyone's opinion on how Tennessee football is going to look this year or the defensive line at Oklahoma. The behind-the-scenes stuff, what we get to see because of the access we have that maybe you don't get to see, that's fun. I'll give you a story. I already told Jesse. I already told Colin. I'll give you a story. So everyone was talking about the Jimbo Fisher interview when we were at the National Signing Day show last week. That wasn't the funniest part to me, though. The funniest part to me was about 30 minutes later, we were going to have Nick Saban on. So we, we are in a show segment, and we toss to break. And then we come back from break, and they're getting Saban lined up in, in the control room. So I can hear in my ear, they're getting him on, and they're making sure that his levels are good, and they're making sure that he's aligned properly in his box. <laughs> and I want to say it was Trey Scott who asked Nick Saban to count to 10 so he could get a mic check, kind of like they would a normal person. Well, Saban's not a normal person, so here's what happened. Trey Scott tells him, Coach, could you count to 10? Can we get a mic check? And Saban goes, one, two. Silence. He gave him a two count, which is about two more than I thought he was going to give him. And no one in the control room had the you-know-what about themselves to push back and say, okay, keep going. So Nick Saban just gives him the old one, two. It's about it. It's about all the energy that I feel like spending on this mic check. And so they let me know, hey, we're bringing him in. We think we got his audio levels right. He only gave us a two count. I came this close to just bringing it up on air because he would have laughed at it probably on air. Uh, but in the moment, that's some of the funniest stuff. If you could witness it live, see, I can just tell you the story. If you could be in that control room and, and the thing about it is when he does it, he's not doing it sarcastically. He's not doing it to be a jerk. He's, that's just literally his natural reaction to being told to count to 10. He just went one, two. It was a little bit quicker than that. And that's all he gave. And that's all we got. And it worked out fine. We had an interview with him. I think we'll have him on again, uh, probably just on late kick sometime, maybe during spring or immediately after spring. Those are always good. Always love having Nick Saban on. Because I was, I was telling somebody, I was doing an interview the other day. I think I may have gone down this road before with you, but I'll, I'll wrap it up this morning with this. If you think about it from my perspective, if you're anywhere close to my age, let anywhere from 25 to 50, really, if you're in at the very least 25 to 40, if you're in that age bracket and you grew up in the South, you did not grow up being able to watch Bear Bryant at Alabama, but you heard stories about him, right? So I grew up that way. I heard stories about Bear Bryant at Alabama, but I never got to see him. All that existed by the time I came along were old VHS tapes, uh, paintings and stories, and you could go visit his graveside in, in the cemetery there in Elmwood in Alabama, which I have done before. But he was a legend. He wasn't an actual person to me. I never saw him. And so I remember as I started to grow up a little bit and I thought maybe I want to be in media, maybe I want to be a sports writer or I didn't know what I wanted to be. I thought to myself, how awesome is it that some of these people whose work I read in a newspaper or on the Internet, they actually covered him. These are older guys. They actually covered him. They actually sat in the same room with him. Uh, they were in press conferences. They saw him coach. And I always just thought the world of those folks because they had access to a guy that I had had deified in my childhood. 
And I also remember thinking, that's all in the past. It's all past tense. We'll never see that, obviously. And then Nick Saban comes along and rewrites every record in the sport. And he's doing something totally unprecedented, not only at his university or in his conference, but in the history of the greatest sport in the world. You've never seen anyone like him. I don't think we ever will see anyone like him. But I sit here every time we get him on. We've had him on the show several times now. We, I get the, the distinct privilege of interacting with him a lot. We get to interact with the best of all time. This, if I'm in this business another 40 years, could very well be the pinnacle of my career. Anyone who gets to do that, it's not lost on me. I get it in the moment. Maybe some other folks need to take time and realize, even in the moment, you are, no matter how much further you go in this business, at the pinnacle of the business because you are getting to interact with the best of all time. We're getting to talk with the best of all time. So much so that when we do segments with him, I'll look in our comment section and I'll see Georgia folks and Auburn folks and LSU folks saying, I can't stand him, but man, that was really good. Because you know what you've got. He's not going to be there forever. So eventually, you'll be able to beat Alabama. Hopefully for your sake, you'll be able to beat Alabama. Maybe you'll get one on him even when he's there. But you will be able to say, just as I will be able to say, we watched the greatest of all time. And for that matter, if you go to the NFL level, imagine having watched someone like Tom Brady and someone like Nick Saban in the same generation. They overlapped. Their careers heavily overlapped, actually. We got to see all that. That's incredible. So, you know, I don't know that that's the question you ever would have asked me if we go back 10 minutes and, and rephrase the question, but that is what I enjoy the most. The access that we get that you know good and well, I'll never take for granted because you know where I came from. I didn't go into media at age 22, coming fresh off a journalism school assembly line. That's not me. And so I, for a long time, I just sat there and listened to the radio and, you know, read the articles and went on the message boards just like you did. I get it. So maybe that's why it hits me a little bit different. But we, we're, we're around in an incredible generation for college football. I know we talk a lot about the problem we have here and should we expand this and should we pay a player that. If you'll zoom out for a second, you'll realize you've seen some incredible things over the last 10 to 15 years. Not just Saban, look elsewhere. We've seen an explosive growth in the sport, not always for the best, but generally this sport is, is massive now. It's as big as it's been in, well, really it's history. And we've been around for it. So hey, it's not all, it's not all bad. There are some sunshine and rainbow aspects to this. Really appreciate you guys listening. Look, here's all we need. We just need five-star reviews and just share the show. And when I say share, I don't always mean screenshotting. You can just go tell five people about it. I get that all the time. I have people tell me, I'm listening to your show because my buddy told me about it. That's, that's worth everything to us. We appreciate that. We don't have a marketing department. We don't need one. You are, as I always say, the marketing department. What we really should do, just between us, is what we should do is, is gather our resources together from a marketing standpoint, and we should start our own marketing firm. Because if you guys could do for any old product out there what you've done for Late Kick, we'd be worth a whole lot of money together. So you know what? Maybe that's a project. Write that down, Jesse. Maybe that's a project. Kate State Marketing. That, that could be a gold mine for all of us. Until then, though, appreciate everything you do. For Director Colin, for Producer Jesse, and Producer Jordan, there's a lot of names associated with this brand now. That's also, uh, that's also according to up because of you. I'm just Josh Payne. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great rest of your day, and God bless.
Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.